Welcome to the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast with your host, Mr. G. For those about to learn, we salute you. Hello, party people. Thank you for joining us today on the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast, where we are changing the world one classroom at a time. That classroom is your classroom. I'm your host, Jared Geller, Mr. G. And today, we are getting into the world of public tracking. And I guess this week's episodes, you know, they're all a little controversial, but we got to dive into those little controversial, you know, those controversial topics or the topics that, you know, are a little polarizing. That is how we're going to make the difference in education. And I'm not saying that my opinion on these things is, you know, always right. It's just, this is my experience. And there's, there's all these different experiences. And that's what makes, that's what Punk Rock Preschool is all about is finding what makes, you know, what works for you as a teacher. So today we're talking about public tracking. And if this works for you as a teacher, if this is something that you want to use in your classroom, but I don't know, maybe you've been discouraged by it because I'm a huge fan. And I just recently saw in one of my Facebook groups that a teacher that had had success with a public tracker, with a behavior tracker, but she went to a, fresh, a professional development thing and they told they told all the teachers that, you know, public trackers, they just don't work. And she was posting in the group saying, you know, I've had success, but they said it doesn't work. I'm nervous. What, you know, what should I do? And I had a really similar experience and I'll get into that later in the episode, but public trackers are tools. So there's nothing good or bad about them. There's nothing that, oh, it does work or it doesn't work. I mean, it's a tool. It's like a hammer is only as good as, you know, the person wielding it. If you're using a hammer to just go around and, uh, you know, smash, smash glasses and stuff and break things and like, you know, it's like, oh, well, that hammer is uh, not a very useful tool. It's just used for breaking stuff, you know, because it's really destructive. But if you use a hammer to build something, I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying. So it's all in how we use the tools. The public tracker, it's a tool. So there's plenty of, that's why there's so many examples of successes and some scary stories that you hear out there. But in this episode, we're going to get into the ways to use the public tracker and make it a really successful, useful tool in your classroom if that's something that you choose to do. Let's get right into it. Like I said, you may have heard some things about public tracking. Uh, I know a lot of districts and programs that they push it on you that these things don't don't work. I mean, I heard those words you know, verbatim out of, uh, we had a program called Great Expectations in Oklahoma City, and we had to go to a Great Expectations, uh, a workshop or whatever for, you know, for, to get our, great exp- you know, our GE certification. And they said in that workshop, they said that these public trackers don't work, don't use them. And I raised my hand and I asked, why don't they work? You know, what about, you know, some colors, you know, switching somebody, a kid's colors out, or, you know, having a, having a land of I can where you have like fish and and ducks and butterflies that make their way to the to the pond or the sun or whatever to represent the um and I'll get into that later to represent you know learning all your letters you know each letter you move your duck closer to the pond so what about you know having a duck on the board is like traumatizing what about that is bad why should we avoid it and they just kept saying it got really awkward and the room you know kind of got awkward in the room too because they just kind of gave this like stuttering answer and it was like oh well it just you know it just doesn't work you know, the research says it doesn't work. I'm like, well, what does the research, you know, what does it say about why it doesn't work? And it didn't reassure anyone. And at that moment, I was like, man, you know, this stuff, it's just a tool. What do you mean? You know, they can't say that it doesn't work or it does work. Like, do what works for you. It's all in how you use it. So I've seen behavior trackers do amazing things. Like, I've seen them turn classes around. I've seen the teachers swear by them. I never use behavior class tracker in my class, but, you know, I've seen them turn classes around. So for... You know, anybody to say, you know, no, that didn't happen. Like, it wasn't the behavior tracker that did it, you know, whatever it was. It's like, you can't come in and tell tell a teacher that, that it didn't, something didn't work in their classroom that they, that made a big difference in their classroom. Like, and you can't just dismiss that by saying, no, that, you know, it's, 
That's not what, you know, that's not what happened. Because that's basically what they did. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, there's definitely some cases where I'm sure these trackers can make kids feel bad. But like I said, it's a tool. And a tool is only as good as the person using it. So if you use it well, then like you personally, if you use this tool well, then use it. Don't be, don't shy away because of anybody else's expectations. It's your classroom. Do the things, teach what makes you happy. Teach the way that you want. And like, you know, but if you're using it to say like, oh, look at this kid. They don't know their letters. Nah, 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 then, you know, maybe public trackers aren't going to work very well. But none of you are doing that. So if you're encouraging and you tell students to see the tracker as a way to help everybody learn and to help themselves learn and see how much they will grow this year and see like, look at all this, you know, look at all the letters you learned, look at all this stuff. And it's a, it's just a visual way for them to keep track. That's how they'll see it too. So today we're going to be talking about academic trackers and the general idea of why not to use public trackers is the same kind of thing is that these trackers are embarrassing or they like shame kids or they hurt you know they could harm kids self-esteem by they're at the bottom of the group or whatever and everybody sees that and it's like well to me it's like why would moving a color on a chart or seeing that you're not you know not at the top of the class and something why would that have any effect on your self-esteem like why would that be traumatizing like if you're working your hardest and you're doing the best you can like your self-esteem comes from yourself that's the whole point we shouldn't be teaching kids that self-esteem if we think if we're worried that self-esteem is gonna their self-esteem is going to be harmed, then we're thinking that these things can actually harm self-esteem. And that's that's like a self-defeating prophecy right there because what about, you know, moving a color or moving your fish along the, uh, the pond or along the river or whatever? Why is that traumatizing? So if we teach them that their self-esteem comes from these comparisons to others, that then it's not going to just be the behavior trackers and the academic trackers that fail. Like there's going to be, that's a bigger problem than behavior tracker or academic tracker. And so whether you use it or not, if that mindset exists, like it's going to be really hard to get students moving along if, if, if we're worried that their self-esteem can be damaged by other kids in the class knowing more than they do at a particular time. Like That is teaching scared. Then you're believing that this tracker actually has the ability to damage their self-esteem. And that's the only way that a public tracker can have any effect on a kid's self-esteem is if we believe that it can. If you see the public tracker as just a tool for kids to take ownership and to work as a team, then why would they see it any other way? So we're going to teach in this episode, we're going to talk about teaching students that that tracker is there just to help them get better. That's how they're going to say it, because it just serves as a reminder as to how well they're doing and what are the areas for growth, how much can they improve. And in my classroom, I use a few different public academic trackers and they all worked incredibly and there was never any shame. It was only pride and encouragement and like teamwork, striving to do and learn more as a team. And if anybody completed the public tracker or was really high up and far ahead, like they knew it was their responsibility then to help the rest of their class come forward, you know, and, and, and make it, you know, help them learn and get to where they are. So it wasn't like I'm at the top. It was like, no, it's, it's lonely at the top. Bring everybody else on board. Bring everybody else up. And that's why I had 90% of my kids, you know, the last two years, pretty much 90, 95%. Every, every kid except I had one student each year that didn't have all their letters, all their sounds, all their numbers, because it's a team effort. And in our land of ICANN, that was our public tracker, we had ducks for uppercase letters and fish for lowercase letters, and they reached the pond at the end was when you got all your letters. And the whole idea was that if your duck was the first one to reach the pond, then it's like, do you want to be the only kid in the, in the swimming pool? Like, you know, it's like your duck wants friends to go splash around and play in the pond, go back and help them. So everybody brings each other up, and that's the attitude that you can build around these public trackers. They can be such a positive force in your classroom 
if that's how it is. But people worry that, oh, no, the kids are going to, like, shame each other, embarrass each other. Why would they do that? The kids are great. They love each other. You know that. So let them use that that genuine goodness to help their friends and to, to become leaders. And we're going to get a little bit more into that in the strategies. But right now, let's just get into our mindset shift. Which we really just did because the mindset shift is old mindset is public trackers. They can harm kids' self-esteem. New mindset is that kids' self-esteem, it comes from themselves and their effort. It doesn't come from any external place. It doesn't come from how well they do on the tracker. Kids shouldn't be getting their self-esteem from comparison. Great example is athletes named Brian Jordan, Bo Jackson, and Deion Sanders. Brian Jordan was a player, I remember, for the Braves, the Atlanta Braves in baseball. And he was also an NFL player, which I didn't know. And I was, I was seeing him being interviewed, and he was talking about how he was like the best athlete. He played professional sports in football and baseball, so obviously an incredible athlete. He was the best athlete growing up, and then when he got to college, he ran into this guy named Bo Jackson, who also played football and baseball and did it professionally. He played in the NFL and the major leagues, and he was like an all-star, Hall of Fame caliber player in both sports. And so Brian Jordan was like, oh man, I thought I was really talented, and now I meet this guy. So then he transferred to another college, and then he met a guy named Deion Sanders, who was on his team. Again, Deion Sanders also played professional baseball and professional football. And so Brian Jordan was like, man, I can't catch a break. But my point here about Brian Jordan is that I don't think for a second Brian Jordan was like, man, I'm not the best anymore. And he felt bad about himself. If Brian Jordan got his self-esteem from comparisons to Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, you know, he would have gotten real deflated. But if he looked at himself and said, I work so hard, look at all that I've accomplished, look at what I've done, professional athlete, two sports, like, then he'll feel great about himself. So his self-esteem and anybody's self-esteem, I'm just saying there, you can look at somebody who's the absolute best at what they do, and and what the point of the story is, Brian Jordan was saying, is like, you'll always find someone that's better than you. And his dad used to tell him that, and he said he they really didn't believe it, and then he ran to these two guys, and it's like, there's always somebody better. And it's like, so don't ever take your self-worth from comparing to other people, because there's always going to be somebody that you'll be looking up to if you put it within yourself that you can be happy with your own effort and how well you do, then that's that's really where self-esteem comes from. So again, back to the public tracker. Use the public tracker to encourage teamwork and student ownership over their learning, not to be worried that it's going to turn kids against each other or something. Like It just sounds silly when, even when I say it here. Now let's get into our strategies because it's enough on the mindset shift on why self-esteem, but it really is important that these things, they don't harm self-esteem. It's all about if we think they're going to harm self-esteem, then yeah, maybe they will. But if you think that it's just an awesome tool to help kids learn and help each other grow, then that's how it's going to be. That's how they're going to see it as well. The strategy number one is the land of I can, which if you don't know what a land of I can is, it's basically a bulletin board that has like a little forest or a little whatever, whatever kind of, uh, I mean, I've seen people use rainbows. I've seen lots of different things. I'll try to, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a Pinterest board together and I'll link it in the show notes. So our land of I can was animals and flowers and different things to represent, you know, you could add petals to the flower to represent each new thing that students learn. And it's a public tracker, obviously. So ours was, we had little fish for lowercase letters. We had ducks for uppercase letters. And they swam across the stream or swam across the river until they reached the pond, which is when they got all their letters. And then we had monkeys climbing the tree. And we had airplanes and butterflies, different years, going from cloud to cloud for each number. So the one cloud was like 0 to 10. The next cloud was like 11 to 20. The final cloud was just random numbers from 30 up. So if they could identify 36, 45, you know, random numbers like that. And then that meant once they could do that, they could pretty much identify any number to 100. And then they were at the sun. 
And then finally we had counting at the bottom, which was counting to 100. And so we had little worms that would crawl across the, the ground, it, you know, basically a giant number line until they reached the flowers, which the flowers were 100. So that was our land of I can, but you can build whatever other kind of land of I can that you like. But what it does is, as I was saying before, it encourages teamwork because tell students that, hey, you know, you don't want to be the only kid in the swimming pool. So your duck doesn't want to be the only one in the ponds. And even if it's got a couple other ducks in the like, make it a party. You're having a pool party, something like that. You know, so bring all the fish, bring all the ducks to the pond, you know, climb the tree, build a tree house at the top, reach the sun, hang out on the sun, get to the flowers. And the students that are at the very top, the students that make it to the pond first, they don't sit there and start bragging, especially because you keep pushing them. You keep challenging them even after they learn that stuff. The year doesn't stop. You don't max out once you learn all your letters. Then we're starting to use them to read. And then we're starting to do all these other standards, which we'll get into in another strategy. But encourage these students that are at the top that, that made it to the pond already, made it to the top of the tree to go back and help their friends. And that's an awesome teamwork thing. And you see it happening at centers. You see it happening. You can kind of set it up at, at uh, morning work. And you know right away, too, because you can look at the tracker. So you know who needs help. And you know what they need help with for the most part, uh, depending on how specific your tracker is. But you know who needs help. And so you can assign the kids to work with each other or you can try to pick friends that are not going to get distracted, but good enough friends that they're going to help each other out. And this really encourages leadership and, you know, real, I mean, mentorship, like really advanced things at a young age. And the culture is just all built around everybody succeeding. And they'll know when everybody succeeds because they'll see it on the tracker. Also, it's just a visual, it's visual for them so they can keep track for themselves, which is super important for their owner, for student ownership over their learning. And, you know, it's moving towards a physical goal, the pond, the top of the tree, the flowers, the sun. So you can always reference that and be like, are you going to get your fish to the pond? Do you want to get your duck to the pond? Do you want to get the monkey up the tree? And that's what we did pretty often. So that's one public tracker. Here's another one in strategy two, which is a brain book. And I used a brain book in the beginning, but it ended up becoming frustrating for me because, you know, you turn your back for a second, like student might color in all the letters on, you know, they might have two or three letters or whatever, but they might color in all the letters. And then you're like, oh, I got to go get another page. So like a brain book is like a book that has like, you know, has like a picture of 26 letters. And when they learn each one, they can color it in a different color. And so they end up illustrating this beautiful book. And I, I think I have a copy of one and uh, I I'll, I'll see if I can put it in the show notes, if it's any good. I mean, I didn't use it very much, but it's one thing that people like to use. And it was just not my style, but I'm still putting it out there for y'all because it's about your style. So if you want a brain book where students can flip through the book and see, you know, they mark off by coloring in everything they learn. They mark off. They know exactly what they learn. They keep track of their own, own little personal knowledge journal right there. Again, it's ownership. And then you can always add more pages. So if they learn all their letters, they learn all their sounds, they learn all their numbers, like you can add more numbers. You can add telling time or graphing or addition and subtraction, which is all stuff that we get into in our curriculum. And it's all doable. So when, once they have that public tracker, they're going to want to complete it. And as kids do complete it as your students complete it and keep challenging them, keep giving them more stuff, keep pushing them to the next level. No reason not to. And a brain book makes it very simple to do that. The land of I can is, I would say that that's its one limitation is that you kind of got to stick with like the basic concepts. Like I said, we did letters, numbers, sounds, and counting. And I've seen people do sight words with rainbows and I've seen people do rhymes and things like that, which you can do anything you want with it. And depending on how big your bulletin board is, you know, you might be able to do a whole world of I can. But like I said, my land of I can was limited to those early things. So when we wanted to expand and use public tracking for the more advanced stuff for learning how to add, learning how to subtract, learning how to uh, graph and 
do reading stuff and sight words and diphthongs and digraphs, all these things. When we wanted to branch into that, then that's when I started using the salary system, which we'll talk about right here in strategy three. So I get into the salary system in detail in episode 10. If you want to go to punkrockpreschool.com slash 010, if you want to hear more about this salary system after we're done, episode 10. But basically, I'll give you the overview is that I would get fake money, which that's going to be the freebie as well as our salary system. So you'll be able to see this all. You don't have to take notes on any of this right now, but then you'll have all the resources available for you. So just you can head to punkrockpreschool.com slash 019 this week's episode and get our freebie for the salary system, which I'll explain right now, is money for participation, money for learning, money for homework, money for attendance. And it's, it's fake money that I color code each different bill and students get, if they participate and they do great participation on the carpet, that's $5 or $10. If they do participation where they like repeat what somebody else said, they're still participating, but they need to do a little bit of better job listening to their friends so they don't repeat what other people said. Uh, so they'll get $5 for that. And then they get money for attendance, they get money for doing homework, and then they learn lawyer A, that's a dollar. They learn the lowercase a, that's a dollar. They learn the sound, that's a dollar. And then once they learn, you know, all 26 uppercase letters, they'll get a bonus. And once they learn all, you know, their numbers one to 10, they'll get a bonus. Once they learn all their numbers to 20, they'll get a bonus. And there's bonuses for each little milestone. And then, you know, we up it to, I'll give them some addition problems or whatever when we're towards the end of the year. And for each addition problem they get, it's $10. And give them five addition problems, they get all five of them. And they can do it on their own using one of the strategies, using their fingers or blocks or drawing a picture, they can do whatever they want. They can go grab the blocks. I don't care. But if they can do the addition on their own and solve it and they get all five problems right eventually and it doesn't have to be one go, then they get a $50 bonus. So it's like you up the bonuses and I leave in the freebie. Check out our salary system. I'll go through, I go through all the bonuses. I go through what each little milestone is worth. And these are my things. You can make up your own or use this how you want, but they would use this money that they earned from all the stuff that they learned and from their participation and from attendance and from homework and everything. And they would use it and I would go out to the store and I'd spend a lot of money. I'd get Mark, buy a bunch of cool stuff for them to buy at markets. And so they'd come and they'd spend their hard-earned money. And this was like so much extra motivation. And it was a public tracking system too because you knew how much money you had and you knew how much money you needed for awesome stuff at the market. And another cool thing about this is that the student with the most money in the class doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean they're the top student in the class. If kids save their money, then... They will have more money too. They'll have they'll be at the top of the wallets, which that's another thing. Each kid has their own wallet, and that's where the money gets stored. And so, like you can have students that have been just working really hard and saving their money for that big market at the end, and you can have other students that, that bought a bunch of new markers and colored pencils for their pencil box. And so they don't have so much money right now, even though they might have all the public tracking stuff like totally taken care of. So it's it's cool in that way too, where it's not even like totally hierarchical. Kids can kind of strategize i guess if you know if they want if they want to save their money or whatever it's just a really it's a fun fun way to go about the year we had a lot of fun with it with the markets and we just had a lot of fun with as a motivational system and as a public tracker like everybody wanted more money and everybody wanted everyone else to have more money because it wasn't there was no finite amount of money it was like you do a great job you're gonna you know you're gonna have more money and then everybody wanted everybody to to succeed in that in that system so very very cool and now let's get into strategy four. It's all in the pitch. Like I said before, the tool, it's only as good as you use it. So if you tell your kids that the first fish to the pond is the absolute best and whoever doesn't get to the pond first, you know, you guys aren't even, it's not even worth it. Don't even get to the pond. You know, your fish should just stay where it is. Then, you know, it's not going to work out so great. But if, if you tell the kids that to reach their pond, like everyone reaching the pond, that's the goal. Like I was saying about not being the only one in the swimming pool, then everyone's going to support one another. So it's all in the pitch. So if you say like, 
okay, this is the way to see who the smartest kid in class is, and these public trackers are going to be disaster. They're going to be cutthroat competition when it can seriously be a community with all these different talents and everyone lifting each other up and playing to everyone else's strengths and helping everyone you know, be a real team. Now, strategy number five is encourage student tutors and leaders. Your kids want to help each other, as I've been saying over and over and over again. That's one of the biggest things about public trackers is it's all about teamwork and helping if that's what you pitch it. So kids want to help each other. They help each other. I've seen it. They work at centers. They work at the morning tables. They sit there and they learn their letters and numbers and they do flashcards and they do writing the letters. And they say, what letter is that? Do you know that letter? And they encourage other kids. I mean, they encourage them to participate. I've seen other little girls and other little boys being like, do you want to do you want to give an answer? You know, I think Mr. G wants to hear what you have to say. It's incredible. It's really really awesome and like I said it's all in the pitch and the culture that you build. So, you don't just throw some fish and some ducks on a bulletin board and, and magic happens. You have to build it into the culture. You have to talk about why, how to use this tool, why we should use it, why it's so awesome and look at the result and you're going to be able to see the results in real time. And that's that's the biggest reason we use to use public trackers is because it helps students build that sense of community if that's the way you pitch it, and they can see how that sense of community is translating to results in real time. Some changes you can expect to see are kids are going to take ownership over their learning. They're going to strive to keep pushing those fish, those ducks, growing those wallets, filling, coloring those brain books, adding pages to those brain books. They're going to keep going for all that because you've got a culture that promotes teamwork and encouragement, and the whole class is helping one another to succeed, and that's what you've built your culture around. So Actionable next steps is that if any of these public tracking systems work for you, the land of I can, the salary system, the brain book, if any of those work for you, if you know any other ones that I missed, because I'm sure there's plenty of other ones, those are just three that I'm familiar with, familiar enough with to talk about, start building your culture around those public tracking systems and do what works for you. If you want to use a public tracker for academics, then or even for behavior as well, and it works for your classroom and your classroom doesn't feel not feeling deflated about it, they should feel inspired and encouraged and empowered by it, then definitely use it. Don't let any like administrator or any district person tell you otherwise because you know your students best. You know your kids best. And I mean, I've literally had reviews where like my kids have been awesome and just on point, but I get knocked on my review because I didn't have something written on my board. And it's like, we're just ignoring how well the kids are doing. We're just ignoring how well these things are actually doing. It's like, no, you know, it says on my list, you need this thing on the board. And if you're not, if you don't have this thing on the board, or if you have a public tracker, then it's wrong. It doesn't matter if the kids are behaved perfectly. It's gonna be like, well, you know, figure out how to get that to work without the public tracker because it doesn't work. And even though they could be looking at something that works. So don't worry about those people. Worry about yourself. Worry about teaching what you love. As always, being the teacher you want to be and teaching from within yourself. And if these trackers work for you, or you're thinking that it sounds like it's going to work for you. I hope you, I hope that this episode gives you the confidence or the courage or just, you know, whatever you need to go ahead and use these things or to feel better about using the one that you already are. So, like I said, if any of them sound good for you, start building the culture around it and then build the public tracker that you want, the land of I can, the brain book or the salary system which you can get on our website punkrockpreschool.com/019 and you can get our freebie salary system. Major takeaways, what to do. If you think one of these public trackers is for you, then put it into place. Put it in your classroom. And why? Because you know your kids best. And this is a tool, like I said, if anyone tells you a tool doesn't work, then that's not showing a lot of faith in you as a teacher because you can make anything work. I believe in y'all. I believe in you to you know, make the best decisions for your classroom. And I certainly don't believe that somebody can come in and say, these things work or these things don't work. They can or they can't. But 
don't be thinking about the whole self-esteem thing that being scared that these things can damage kids' self-esteem because, like I said, it actually lifts it up and makes it, it gives them support and friendships and all these great things. It has, I've never seen it damage anyone's self-esteem. So pick the public tracker you like, introduce it to your students and help them learn and help them grow and help them see all that they are learning themselves. And as a result, you're going to see kids taking ownership of their learning. You're going to see that culture of teamwork and that culture of encouragement. And you're going to have, I mean, kids are going to be more motivated. And also, you know, real simple thing is that you can just look up and easily see where everybody is, who needs extra help here, who needs extra help there. And it's right there for you. You don't have to go pull out a book and start flipping through. And, and sometimes you want to be able to see that quickly so you can differentiate and you can ask the right questions to help these students get their fish and their duck and their monkey and all these things to the end of the land of I can fill their wallets and all the th and you know color their brain books. You want your students to be able to do this and they want it themselves. So at the end of this episode, I just hope that we are rethinking another one of these dinosaur outdated policies that really limits and stifles teachers. The idea that you can't use something because it won't work. That's it, it's so silly to me. It can work or it can't work. If you feel confident in it and you feel like you can pitch it to your students to make it a positive experience, use a public tracker and if your students are encouraged by it, then use it. That's all that matters. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are one step closer to making the classroom of your dreams come true. Please follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, to our email list, and oh, to receive that salary system freebie, go to punkrockpreschool.com slash 019. Download the freebie right now. Or if you want help with the land if I can, send me an email, info at punkrockpreschool.com. Uh, I'll reply to you there within 24 hours, so... Send me an email, or better yet, actually leave it in comments, and I will get try to get in touch with you. Please leave ratings, comments, thoughts below. If there's anything else you want me to discuss on future episodes, any topic that you're looking for, please reach out. Let's work together to change the world one classroom at a time. Until next time, keep rocking. <laughs>